0: that is Benny Bishan's Achla Hamuda, and welcome back to a new season of Jew No. It's taken me a few months to put it all together just in time for Passover season. So hopefully you'll have something to listen to as you travel around for the holiday this week or also Easter, but hang on and we'll get to that. Now, over the last several thousand years of Jewish history, we, the Jews have accumulated a lot of stuff and some of it has gone missing. And some of it was really valuable and important. So for this season, season 3, we're going to dive into unsolved Jewish mysteries over the next 12 episodes. Things that have been lost to our history in some way that we are still trying to figure out. Some are ancient, some are recent. There are a couple that I myself had some small role in, so you'll get a bit of the backstory there that you won't find anywhere else. Now most of these are things that we know definitely existed. A couple of them are things that we are pretty sure existed but can't quite prove. Some of them may be more, shall we say, metaphysical, okay? And I think that all of them raise deeper questions about more than just where they might be. Now don't worry, Unsolved Jewish Mysteries is just a short detour before I delve back into Israeli history in season four. Season four will pick up where season two, which was on the history of Zionism, left off with the Israeli Declaration of Independence. That will be coming up sometime this summer. I also have a brand new website right now, same URL, JewOttoKnow.com, JewOttoKnow.com, O-U-G-H-T-A. You will find a huge upgrade there, a season guide, tons and tons of content, links to books, links to the music I play in the show, and a lot more, so browse away. Although it's still under partial construction, so not everything is available yet. You can also email me anytime at podcast at gmail.com. Jew I don't know podcast at gmail.com and as always if you've been enjoying this podcast the best thing you can do is tell others and spread the word the next best thing you can do is go into wherever you listen and leave a review or click on the five-star rating every little bit helps so let's dive right in to our first unsolved jewish mystery where is the tomb of king david i'm your host jason harris and welcome back to Jew I don't know I would say to young people that we can do everyone our share to redeem the world. Alright, so as my family and friends will tell you, I love visiting the graves of historical figures. From George Washington to Napoleon to Beethoven. If they were historical and now they're dead, I'm into it. So you can imagine my super-duper double attraction to visiting the tomb of King David just outside the old city of Jerusalem, which right away poses a problem. Because you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, Jason, you said unsolved mysteries. But we know exactly where King David is buried. There are signs pointing the way in multiple languages. You can go there and pray with the Orthodox Jews who maintain a constant vigil on the tomb. Not only can you see it, but you can actually literally lean up against the top of the sarcophagus to use it as a book rest. And I'll be posting that picture on the website shortly. And all this is true. We do have King David's tomb. Just about 100 yards from the Zion Gate entrance to the Old City, at the top of what might be the original Mount Zion, we have a three-story building. The top floor has a minaret, because it was once a mosque, and there's a great view from the roof. The second floor is the room where the Last Supper took place. I told you I'd get to Easter and Good Friday and all that. And just below that, on the ground floor, very well marked, is the tomb of King David himself. So why is this our unsolved mystery? Because I'm sorry to tell you this, but the tomb of King David is not actually the tomb of King David. He's not there. Which begs the obvious question, so then where is he? Me You may be familiar with the basics of the story of David and Goliath. The young Israelite boy David slays the giant Philistine warrior Goliath with his slingshot, winning the battle for the underdog Israelites. The story was written down in the first book of Samuel in the Hebrew Bible sometime around the 600s BCE. David's great victory over Goliath earned him the attention of King Saul, who was the first king of what is called the United Monarchy. And this took place around the year 1000 BCE, when the various Israelite tribes united together under a single monarch, consolidating their territory into one large chunk. The territory was most of today's Israel, a huge piece of Jordan, parts of Lebanon, a little bit of Egypt. Long story short, King Saul took David under his wing for a while, but then turned on him. David escaped. King Saul was killed in battle against the Philistines, then his son and heir gets assassinated, and what a coincidence! How convenient! Gee, I wonder who killed him! David is waiting in the wings to take over the crown. He got started in politics as the king of just one of the kingdoms, Judah, but now finds himself ruling over the entire United Kingdom. He sets up a new capital city in a town called Jerusalem and builds himself a palace we found it all. It's called the City of David, and is located just outside the walls of the old city, near the western wall, on the southern slope of Jerusalem. You can take tours there and everything. The Bible goes on to recount his conquests of both the military and dating kind. He spies Bathsheba from the roof of his palace, decides he wants her for himself, and sends her husband off to certain death in battle. But because he was an asshole about it, God won't let him have the honor of building the holy temple in Jerusalem. But nevertheless, David goes on to rule over a golden age of history with a huge and influential kingdom, victories over the Philistines, lots of wine and women and singing, a lot of singing. David is credited as the lyricist for most of the Psalms. So all in all, a major figure of Jewish history, the greatest king we've ever had. The guy who built Jerusalem and who everyone afterwards gets compared to. The historian Jonathan Kirsch calls him the first superstar alpha male of history yeah so all this is pretty much bullshit i mean most historians and archaeologists will tell you that the united monarchy probably didn't happen the way it's spelled out in the bible that the israelites established rule in this territory there's no doubt but most historians will tell you that david ruled over a smaller kingdom than the one i described probably didn't really defeat the philistines and was so tone deaf there's no way he could have sung all those psalms this is a rich and fascinating history and we'll get more into it in future seasons of jew i don't know. It's a tremendously interesting rabbit hole to wander down. But okay, so if this is all disproven, then maybe we don't even need to look for King David's tomb. Because maybe there isn't one. Because maybe he didn't exist in the first place. So now things get interesting. For nearly all of Jewish history, for the 3,000 years since King David lived, we only knew about him from the stories in the Bible. That was our only source. Not a single other of the kingdoms and empires that neighbored Israel mentioned his existence, not a shred of evidence outside the Bible was ever found to prove that he really existed. Until that is, 1993, when archaeologists found one of the coolest rocks that I have ever seen. At a place called Tel Dan in northern Israel, which was a small city mentioned in the Bible, archaeologists pulled from the ruins a broken stele. A stele is a stone marker or a monument from ancient times. This particular one dated to the 9th century and recorded the conquest of the local Syrian king over his rivals in Israel. And one of those defeated Israelite kings, says the text, belongs to the house of David. Now this was written at least 150 years or so after King David, so it's not referring to him specifically, but rather the dynasty that he founded. But it does demonstrate that he existed because clearly the kings that came after him were tagged with his name. He established the line. Now I don't know about you, but I nerd out hardcore over this broken piece of stone. I've seen it myself, it's in the Israel Museum in Jerusalem, it was really hard to tear myself away. I mean, it's just so cool, it's the only proof we've ever found outside the Bible that King David really existed, and you can see it with your own eyes. Also gonna post that picture up on the website. Totally incredible. Okay, reign in. The thing here is that for the purposes of our unsolved mystery, if we know that King David really existed, then we know, and see if you can follow my logic here, then we know that he must also have died. And a major king like that, you can bet he would have had a pretty cool tomb. And guess what else? Actually, the Bible tells us precisely where he was buried. In the Book of Kings, David is recorded as having died of natural causes at the age of 70 and buried with his fathers in the city of David. So you might expect then that somewhere in the city would be a vault containing multiple fancy tombs suggesting notable people are buried there. And lo and behold, we've got such a find exactly. In fact, right where one would expect it to be found. But since nothing is labeled, here lies King David, as far as archaeologists are concerned, they dispute exactly what it all means. There is a mention of this site as far back as the Roman era, when the famous Jewish chronicler Josephus reported that King Herod went to go loot David's tomb, but it was empty, having already been robbed at some other point in history. So there are really good reasons to think that David was buried in one of those tombs, today all empty, in the city of David. So how then did he end up about a half mile away on the top of Mount Zion? And how do we know that that isn't the place? The answer is, number one, geographic confusion. And number two, that the place has changed hands so many times it's hard to peel back exactly what happened and when now without a map i don't want to get too bogged down into the weeds of jerusalem geography and this is going to be a little bit hard to follow but let's just say that three hills in and around the old city have at various points in history been identified as the mount zion and why that's important is because the bible describes david building his palace and his city on the slopes of mount zion which would also mean that that's where he was buried okay and today we have the city of david and the palace so what's the problem well, the problem is that back when they built the current tomb of King David, they didn't have it. The city of David is a fairly recent archeological find over the last 150 years or so. So what we today call Mount Zion is probably not the original Mount Zion. And as a reminder for those of you who've been to Jerusalem, I'm talking about the top of the hill where the Zion Gate is, you know, that huge parking lot. For a sacred mountaintop so close to God, at least it's not a mall. So. Geographic confusion is one problem, and the other is that a ton of stuff has been built up there over the last couple thousand years. Now back when the Muslims conquered the Holy Land, they associated a place in Bethlehem as King David's tomb. But then in the 10th century, for reasons that we don't quite know why, references began popping up putting David's tomb in the spot it's in now. Honestly, and I'm only half joking here, it was probably the local Christian tourist board that wanted to bring pilgrims in closer to Jerusalem. Basically, they wanted to bring everything biblically associated in really close, so you could get the full package by visiting the city. So you can't blame the Israelis for paving over paradise. It's probably just right on top of where people tied up their horses back then. Now, a couple hundred years later, the Crusaders sacked Jerusalem, and they fully bought into the idea of this spot, the current spot, being David's tomb. So they built the current structure that you visit today, probably about 800 years ago, which, by the way, makes it doubly hard to believe that the site is truly authentic. The current King David's tomb was built more than 2,000 years after his death, and more than 1,000 years after the Last Supper. But for all we know, those medieval chroniclers knew something that we didn't, that King David's body had been moved there at some point, and today's building maybe covers up the original structure that was there. Historians debate whether there were, in the Roman era, several synagogues up there, which would indicate that something important might have been there. But ultimately, it's hard to say exactly when and why this tradition began at the current location of David's tomb is the real one. We can't say for sure whether it was the Christians or the Muslims who started the tradition, but either way, the Jews at some point also adopted the site as authentic. Now, Jerusalem was only briefly in the hands of the Crusaders, and then fell again to the Muslims, and the Muslim authorities remained in control of King David's tomb until 1948, turning the building into a mosque but in 1948 during the battle for jerusalem following israel's independence the ceasefire line ending the war passed right in between king david's tomb and the zion gate jordan held the old city but the israelis had the tomb 100 yards away since jordan wouldn't allow the jews to pray at the western wall or even to enter the old city jews began praying as close as they could get to the borderline and that was on the rooftop above king david's tomb which made the site extra especially symbolic a sort of stand-in for the western wall since the jews didn't know how long they would be barred from the old city and even when israel captured the old city and the western wall in 1967 king david's tomb remained a holy site <laughs> Okay, so we've determined that King David was real, that he therefore died, that his real tomb is probably in the city of David and may have already been found, but that for various historical and geographic reasons we consider the site up on top of Mount Zion to be his gravesite. Which brings up another mystery then. If King David isn't buried in what we think is his tomb, then who is? Is it some random Joe having the last laugh at being eternally thought of as the great King David? No one has ever allowed any archaeological study of David's tomb, not the Muslims or the Jews. No one has ever pulled back the lid to check out the body. But most historians think that the tomb is actually a cenotaph, a monument commemorating someone who died but who was buried elsewhere, perhaps a crusader warrior or several who were honored with a symbolic gravesite. Meaning that after all this, it is entirely possible that King David's tomb is totally empty. Okay, so this is all very interesting, or maybe not. Maybe you are totally not a Jewish history nerd and don't understand why this is all worth talking about. So here's my big picture. There's always a tension when we're talking about history, especially when it goes so far back that it becomes murky. There's always that tension between authenticity and relevance. Authenticity, meaning whether something is true, whether it really happened, whether that person really existed, and relevance, regardless of authenticity. Is it important, why? What does it say about us today that we care about these stories? I think it's safe to say that King David's tomb today is not authentic. Although we're pretty sure he really existed, he probably wasn't the major king that the Bible makes him out to be, and he isn't really buried in the place that we associate with him. But does not matter? Judaism is a religion and a culture that places great importance on earthly matters, history, geography, human life, King David, the greatest king in Jewish history, enables the Jews to claim their heritage in the part of the world where he ruled, which is to say Jerusalem, number one, and everywhere else associated with the biblical United Kingdom. And so every physical manifestation bolsters that connection. We know he existed. We found the city he built and the palace where he lived. So it makes sense that we would designate a tomb site to complete the circle. It isn't just a matter of archaeological reckoning, but also of modern politics and conflict between Arabs and Jews. Who gets to claim David as their heritage, and therefore who gets to claim ownership of the land where he lived and died? Today and back through the ages, some of the most sacred ground known to Christians, Muslims, and Jews. Does having his physical tomb mean that Jews get to own that land exclusively? Or if he's not really there, does that mean that they don't? I always ask my tour guides on Israel trips whether they plan on taking our group to King David's tomb, because the answer is always revealing. Some guides say no. It's not really his tomb, they say. The Last Supper didn't really happen there, so why should I waste time taking people to see something that isn't authentic? But others say, of course we're going. It presents a really interesting way to understand contemporary Jerusalem. And I'm with them, even though I totally get why other guides prefer to spend our limited time in the many many other places in Jerusalem that we know are authentic. Because here's the thing. People look at the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, especially when it comes to Jerusalem, and they say, I don't understand why this is so hard. These people can't live together. They should just separate. Jews over here, Arabs over here, put a border in between, and everyone stays on their own side of the city. How can this be so tough? But here on Mount Zion, You've got the Jewish King David's tomb on the ground floor, the Christian Last Supper room on the second floor, and a Muslim mosque on the third. How are you going to split up a vertical structure like that? How would you say that only people of one religion can visit? What is an equitable way to divide up a shared holy site? I think that King David's tomb a thousand years old, for a king who died 3,000 years ago, I think it's important because it shows that Christians, Jews, and Muslims have no choice but to find a way to live with each other. If we can all visit our own monuments in the same building, and then visit each other's while we're there, then King David's tomb provides a model for coexistence that auto-infused the long view of this conflict with a dose of optimism. Maybe he never really ruled over a united monarchy in ancient times, but maybe, just maybe, Maybe his tomb today can unite people who share in his legacy. And what could be more relevant than that? Kampari <laughs> Alright, well it's entirely possible that in between my recording of this podcast and you hearing it that the archaeologists somewhere in Jerusalem will overturn a chunk of dirt and find a slab of stone saying here lies King David. Archaeology continues in the city of David today, and people still find small things all over Israel from the era in which David lived. So who knows, maybe the mystery will someday soon be solved. That's for next time. We'll be looking at another unsolved Jewish mystery. This one is a little more modern, and it's not quite unsolved in the sense that we know exactly where this thing is and who has it. The problem is that they aren't giving it back. It's in Russia. That's next time. Welcome back to Jew I Don't Know. La Heath wrote. See you later i not